Hello, friends, and welcome to Impact Everywhere, the podcast that looks for people having a positive impact in unexpected places. Today, we have Hugo Vega and Diego Machado dialing in from both Brazil and Portugal. The reason we have two people dialing in today is because Hugo and Diego are the creatives behind an amazing project called Code of Conscience. Now, Code of Conscience was sent to me by one of my friends by the name of Ivan Cash, who's actually next week's speaker. And the reason I found the concept so intriguing is because of how elegant it was. It's a simple piece of code on some hardware that would prevent heavy machinery from illegally logging. No need to chase people down. If the machines don't work, things can't be cut down. And I loved it so much that I reached out to Hugo and Diego and asked if they would be interested to come and share their story and the challenge that they face on this podcast. So Diego and Hugo actually work full time at a company called AKQA. So you'll hear them say this a couple of times really quickly. AKQA is an advertising agency and they are both master storytellers who created a number of different impact campaigns, some of which we're actually going to play for you inside of this podcast. In this week's episode, Hugo and Diego will talk about the challenges that they face when trying to change human behavior, the way they go about to design campaigns that really resonate with people regardless of where they're from, and last but not least, the value of human connection and collaboration. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. This is Hugo, and I've just asked him how the last months have been for Code of Conscience. In the last months, we've been trying to contact the maximum amount of people and companies because the idea of the code of conscience is so simple. It's just a code and it's an open source code and it's free to the world. He uses the database on protected areas, which is a database from the United Nations that has all the geolocation of the protected areas in the world. The code takes that data and if it senses that a machine, a heavy machine, is entering a protected area, it can either shut it down or it can, for instance, send a message to, if that machine is working for a company, it can send a message to the company saying, okay, your machine is working in an area that it shouldn't, or it can send to an institution that takes care of that protected area. So it's done, that part, the code is done. So now in order for this to really happen, we need someone to implement it. So we've been talking to governments from different countries with heavy machinery companies and also companies that they have a supply chain that has some sort of production in some of those protected areas. So basically what we've been doing is lobbying, <laughs> which is not our skill set. So probably that's why we, it's been taking so long. I, I feel there is a uniqueness, at least for us, like in this project itself, that is not the type of project that you launch and you just celebrate. Oh my God, we did it. It's live. I remember the first day we launched it, our phones and emails were getting crazy. The good thing is we, we met amazing people like you, like we, we could connect with amazing people around, all around the world, like companies, great minds and hearts. But yeah, as Hugo said, like the work was just the beginning, that work, like to launch it. And the biggest challenge is implementing this in big scale. So this has been our biggest effort in the past months. Normally, you guys are on the marketing side of things, which is your job is to tell the best story possible, to create the best narrative possible, to touch people's hearts and minds. And in this case, you came up with an idea that was so simple 
to implement in theory. But in practice, there's this gap that you've encountered. When you came up with the idea, what did you expect this journey to be? Did you think that you could just come up with an idea and everything would happen automatically? Or what were the expectations versus reality? We fell in love with the idea because it was... It, and I think like for me and Diego, we've been working a lot in the marketing side and doing lots of storytelling ideas and to do something that really combines technology and could have the potential to have a really positive impact in the world. So we were very excited with this idea when we launched it and, and lots of people started talking about it. We had lots of media covering it organically. But what we're understanding is, and that's why it's not our skill set of going into this world of lobbying, of really talking to organizations. We're used to make marketing communication projects and presentations. When we get to something that it's more of a project that needs to be implemented by a company, it's another thing. So it's been hard, but we've been learning so much about this issue. And we understand like all of the forces that are against it. There's always uh, political forces that don't really want this idea to go forward. There's also like some companies that have some relations with government, for instance. And if the government is not too pro the forests, these companies might have, oh, maybe it's not the right timing to move forward. So it's a little bit harder than we thought because this is a free tool. It's a free service, like we're not earning any money, like it's here for the world. But we know that soon will come a company and we already have some companies interested and some governments. So I think like in the next months, we'll have something that will be implemented, at least like the first case study for the Code of Conscience. I think it's always that way when it comes to impact, when you go from idea into execution, the impact world, especially like there are just so many layers and barriers. I think that's why they say that you know ideas are a dime a dozen, but it all comes down to execution. I'm curious, how did you guys even get started with this idea? Because usually marketing agencies work either on spec or it's created for a company. In this case, there doesn't seem to be any corporate time where you guys you just came up with this over a beer and, and then it became this beautiful thing. Or what was the story there? We like to work without thinking about what's the final execution. So regularly we get briefs like finding solutions for this or for that. And the executions could be anything. For this one, like we were thinking about like how to help the world, like in the so many problems we have right now. Back in those days, there was like a lot of conversations happening around the environment and Amazon and all the global warming. And when we, we, we think about it, at least the way we work in AKQA is that we think about how to solve a problem, how to, to launch a message. And I think the first time we, we were talking to the creatives and they were sharing these first thoughts about like, having a system that shuts down a machinery and when it crosses the line was so simple that we felt like we need to make it. We need to make this happening and talk to, to all the NGOs and all the institutions to, to implement this. Of course, like it's really simple and I think that this is the beauty of it, but the challenge is like how to convince everyone to do it. So if you own a company, you have the machinery or in the supply chain, whatever responsibility. The hardest thing is to convince people, not the system or the technology itself. If you think about today, like we have so many different technologies, so many possibilities to solve a really old problem. It's really harder to stop the man toward making that than the machines. So I think even if you watch the film, like you know about it, 
it's a, a smaller impact that we potentially we could be doing, but it's already something that is changing minds. Okay, we could be doing this. We can do. We can do more. And if we are not doing enough, like just is our fault. It's not about technology we don't have, or it's not too expensive. We we cannot blame other stuff. The only ones we can blame is ourselves as a humankind that is failing on on treating our planet and our people. We do a lots of communication and, and projects for our different clients, but we always try to bring positive impact in the world on the projects we do for them. But this idea that was born not for a specific client, it generated such a huge excitement on the team. And not only on the team in Sao Paulo, but also on the network for AKQA. Although the idea, the genesis of the idea was born in Sao Paulo, the team that wrote the code and also did that prototype of the physical version of the code is from AKQA Melbourne. They have a, a tech lab there, so we partner with them and we put this idea into the world. So I think everyone wants to have their day to feel that they're doing something positive and they're building something important. When the day ends, you look backwards and you say, man, yeah, today was like a really good day. And that feeling of, okay, I'm working into something that can have the power to have a positive impact in the world that really makes all of the team excited. And even like there's no money involved, it was an investment from the company. The value that you, in return of that excitement, because you get everyone pumped up and then that energy will also drive the other projects that everyone has at home. So these are the kind of projects that we should have more and more. Sometimes could be one idea for one specific company and then we just give it like, hey, here's a great idea, just implement it. That will be good for you, but also will be good for the world. So we incentivize the team to, if you have these kind of ideas, let's do it. And we'll always back them up. In so many ways, what you're describing almost sounds like what Google does or used to do, where they'd give one day a week so that people could you know, pursue their curiosity. But in your case, what you're inviting everyone to do a little bit more of is to give maybe a day, maybe more of your time just to pursue things that are impactful and that are meaningful because it helps to bring people together. It's really cool to see that your personal passions actually came and shown through to craft this really great idea. But now the gap between moving from kind of idea stage into execution stage, do you guys see yourselves like partnering up with a nonprofit, forming an entirely separate company? What do you see the future of Code of Conscience becoming? I think we can partner with NGOs and we have some NGOs that, you know, support the project, but I think we need someone that really takes the project and almost create a new NGO out of it. So it creates the, like a group of people that will contact companies. They will create those business presentations and they can do basically that work that is not our uh, skill sets, expertise. If there's any company that would be, or an NGO, or, or just an individual, someone that, okay, I, can, I want to help on this project, like we're totally open. This is an open source, open to the world project. Anyone can join in and, and help it move forward. In our daily work, we have other responsibilities with the current clients that we have, current projects. 
So this is really a side project. So if there's anyone in the world that really wants to pick this up and, you know, and move it forward, like we're super happy to, to give it because this is really a gift to the world. Yeah. The first week we, we got it live, we felt the same. We said like, oh my God, like we, we could have uh, 40 people working just on this, just focus on answering the phone, uh, replying emails, doing this. But I think like our role, since we, there are so many different realities. If you compare different countries are facing different problems and legally is different. I think our role is mainly like to give out the tools to anyone implement by themselves. So we, we do the prototypes, we did the code, we can send out all the microchips and all the tools that you need to implement and, and adapt to a specific context. So I think this is how far we can go. And from there, people from Japan, from Australia, from Brazil can go there because I remember the, in the first weeks and even today, like we're still receiving like not just companies, but even governments talking like, how can we collaborate more? What can we do here? And depending on the scale, like this can be really big in terms of getting people to implement this, tracking all the trucks and the, and the machinery. This is like for a kickaway is really about getting out the tools, the toolkit, giving to the, the government or like to a company. And from there, they can implement and install that. And then we can be more like as a supportive company. Okay, guys, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to let you guys know that if anyone listening is actually seriously considering hopping on board, volunteering, starting a company, whatever, do let me know at hi, hi at impacteverywhere.org and I will make sure to connect you guys together. And before moving on, I just wanted to play one of two trailers for those who are still a little bit uncertain about what Code of Conscience actually is. Today, despite its protective status, one third of the world's reserves are now under threat from human activity. It's hard to monitor and stop humans from destroying our forests, but we can stop the machines they use. Introducing the Code of Conscience, an open source software that restricts the use of heavy duty vehicles in protected areas. Code of Conscience uses data from the United Nations World Database on protected areas, updated by NGOs, governments, and communities around the world. Basically, we're creating a cyber shield for our forests. The Code of Conscience is free and already available for all manufacturers, so we plead for them to apply it in their future machines. They are part of the problem, but they can now become part of the solution. Please, Help spread the word about the project until it reaches all manufacturers, the forests, the life they embrace, and our future generations. Thank you for that. Codeofconscience.org. For those of you who have a little bit more time, I highly recommend you go check out the full video where you get to see Chief Raoni, who is probably the most well-known indigenous Brazilian leader and environmentalist that is also backing this project. Back to the podcast, I decided to move on a little bit away from Code of Conscience because ultimately Hugo and Diego do a multitude of projects and I wanted to get to know them a little bit more. Based on our conversation and the work that they do, I was really curious to understand more, what does impact actually mean to them? This is Diego answering the question. Oh my God, I think like we live in such a crazy period of our history. I'm based in Brazil, 
So <laughs> no, I'm talking about we have so many challenges to face, not just in Brazil, but like all, all over the globe. And I think everyone is learning that everyone has some more responsibilities that we, we learned in school. At least for me, I'm 30 years old. As we grow, we have more responsibilities on the environment, on the people that we are surrounded, on our kids, our families, and the work that we do. It's not just about approving an idea from a brief that you get or however it looks good for the budget, but like always pushing for a better place. But it's not every day that you're doing this. Sometimes it's behind the cameras that you can do the bigger impact. So on the type of talents that you are bringing to the team, on building a, a healthier relation between agency and clients or having a fair competition between other agencies or other competitors or giving access to more people to learn how to be a professional. At the end, like we measure if we are happier at the end of the quarter of the year and not if just the numbers are bigger. And I think the, the more people you are helping or giving any kind of help, it shows that you are in the right path. Sometimes like you, you are able to help 10 people would, would be like amazing help for them and you change their lives. Even if no one will see that, sometimes you can save a forest implementing like a big system all over the world. Every day we can do something. Sometimes it's with the client, sometimes we'll be like just by ourselves and protecting the ones you're working with. I think it's, it's everyone's responsibility. And we need a wake-up call for the world. And I think let's take this crazy 2020 and the years that we are living, really crazy years, to really reset our mindsets and, and think about like how can we make it a little bit better for the next generations. I love what you said about it's not just about the campaigns that you create, but what you do and how you live your life and how you lead your life, because there is so much of it that is unseen, right? Just because you're making an impact and it's not visible or measurable or part of your professional life doesn't mean it's happening. This is a recurrent theme, which is start where you are, whatever it is you're doing, you can do better, you can be a better person. So that message always shines through really strongly. When it comes to the actual work that you have created, you guys have done some absolutely phenomenal pieces using stories to make a difference, whether it was the, the collaboration that you guys did with Usher to Don't Look Away, which I thought was so genius, where the song would stop the minute people stopped looking at the names of victims from police brutality or your Dove Real Beauty sketches of actually reflecting back to people how they saw themselves and how mean they were to themselves. How do you even get started into the quote unquote business of telling meaningful stories? I think when you have a like great idea, the, the client will buy it. Sometimes he might have an idea that, oh, I would like to have an idea like this, this is some sort of solution. But sometimes they already have something on their minds. Uh, and sometimes we need to convince them like, no, you could do something like that. But instead of a TV commercial, let's do something completely different. But usually we, we always try to have ideas that are universal. We always try to have those human connections because if you're connecting with or trying to pass a message to a mother. A mother in Egypt will feel the same thing as a mother in the US or in Paris. There are some things that some, not only values, but feelings that, that are universal. And we always try to go and, and grab those visceral things because that's powerful. That resonates. They will look at it like they will feel like, whoa. And okay, let's try to do it. So we always try to create something that creates already an emotional connection between the client, 
the people that will support this idea because in the end like it's not about brands it's about the people that are behind the brands because you can have any brand in the world we, we usually say we're never after a logo we're always after the people behind that logo so for us it's about the people it could be a toilet paper brand we would love to work if if the people that are behind that toilet paper brand we want to work with them if they want they have the ambition to create something different if they are aligned with our values if they want to have some sort of positive impact in the world and the positive impact in the world can be just entertainment it's the first step that we would like to work with them so i know if i answered your question uh, i don't know if diego has some different opinion no, I, I just would like to add, I think we don't like them much, the, the word convince, but it feels like we know everything and the client doesn't know and we just have to push them the truth. I think all these projects that you mentioned and I think like all the best projects we did in our lives was a really true collaboration. So the, the ambition was there, the connection and the synergy of what we want to achieve was there. And then together, we achieve the best work. So I think it's, it's less about convincing and just like having the perfect match with not just the clients, but the, the, the people are behind the, the clients and the, the logos. It's always about this human connection and the, the collaborative spirits to get through the project. It's all about trusting each other and getting in this journey because it's not a, never easy. Like we don't want to go in the easiest path we always go on the, the one that we believe is the right one. And sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's harder. But if you are together and the client trusts you and you trust the clients, I think we get at the end line happy with the best project. So it's not about convincing. That's interesting. What I like about what you're saying in terms of falling back onto the basic human values of what people are actually looking for, whether that's connection, whether that's safety, whether that's a sense of belonging, what you're saying is that you really aren't making a compromise in order to tell a story and make it impactful. You're telling the best story possible. And in order to tell the best story possible, that means that you have to think about the people that are going to be benefiting from the stories at the end of the day. And so I think there's something really beautiful about this. It's how Tesla does its marketing. It didn't just make an electric car and say, buy this car, it's great for the environment. They made the best car in the world that just happens to be electric. And now you can be super cool and you can save the world at the same time, quote unquote, theoretically. You're taking that same sort of approach when it comes to storytelling and brand and narrative. Let's take a really quick break just to let the audience listen to Dove Beauty Sketches, because I think that it's one of those things that you can't really understand until you feel it and experience it. And while it's not nearly as powerful without the visuals, I think the concept is so powerful that even the audio alone will enable our listeners here to understand the value and the impact of the project. I'm a forensic artist, worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. 
I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter. Sadder, too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we- Oh man, it's just so good. And this is just the audio. For those of you who actually want to watch the piece properly, just Google Dove Beauty Sketches. It has over 60 million views on YouTube. I think it's actually the most viewed video by Dove ever. Um, back to the conversation. Could you guys actually tell me what is the single most common trait that happens between all these different and diverse projects that span so many different kind of mediums? Like, what do you think is the one key piece of the puzzle that is necessary? I think one thing that we always think about is like how to simplify stuff. If you have a new point of view on a topic, how can we really simplify this and make it like a more as a, like a, a global insight or like a, something that we resonate for someone here in Brazil, but also someone in Thailand or whatever. Maybe you can tell about like a, a whole 10 episodes of a series in one tweet. What's the Breaking Bad plot? Oh, it's about a teacher who's facing this problem and he becomes a drug dealer. Okay, got it. It's clear. And then you can get crazy with the execution afterwards, like having the best cast, having the best plots, having the right editors and everything. I don't think it's just for like uh, when you think about social impact, but like any ideas is something that we really use in AKQA for the messaging. If you are creating a new app, what's the app? Like what's the backbone of the app? When you go for the visuals, like what's the insight that you're going to design here? It's not about, oh, we like this color because this is a trendy color. But no, it's like what's the insight behind this design? So... I think simplify things is key today. We, we are always like having so many things popping up on our eyes. Like everyone is trying to steal our attention, ads, content, people, WhatsApp, SMS, Facebook, like any kind of so many social medias, emails, phone calls. So when you are having a really simple message and it's a new point of view, it can become like an amazing tweet. It can become a new TV series. So I think simplify things and watch a lot of things like read, watch and, and absorb as many content as we can in different areas. I think like advertising or brands normally just absorb things from brands. So if I work for, I don't know, Nike, I'm just following like Adidas, Puma and this and that. If I work for Coca-Cola, you've been watching like other sodas 
content and ads. Like when we open our minds and everyone can be a competitor, everything can be an insight for you. I think simplifying stuff is something that we always try to push. Got it. This idea that everyone is competing for the same 24 hours is really what you're competing up against because then everyone has 24 hours of the day. It's the great equalizer. You're not competing against another company. You're competing for one person's time. And so remembering that that is the competitive landscape is always super important. How do you guys know when something is successful? Do you have a metric of success that you guys have internally or externally, or maybe even both? Today, the clients and the brands also understood that they need to be creative. They need to do something that, wh why would people give a shit to what you're doing? So instead of, if you don't invest in an idea that has that potential, you're just losing money because the money that you're going to put, people won't see it. If it's a bumper ad, they will wait for the six seconds and they just like, skip the ad so you need to create something that in those six seconds people will get like this is interesting let me continue watching it you need to get into people's life and you need to be meaningful for them you need to earn the time that you are re requesting from them and for that you, you need like a powerful idea a powerful message you need to have something that it's interesting or else no one will give it a <laughs> shit <laughs> Yeah, I feel like in also like Ikikwe has like so many different uh, skill sets. There are 29 studios. Some are more like tech driven, some more like comms driven. Internally, we try to, to have three ways of checking if we are being successful. One, if it's an ad or if it's an app, like is this like a new one or is just uh, we are just replicating something that we've seen before. Another thing is if this like pushing the clients or whoever is involved in this, the whole industry to another level. So if you are pushing like your clients or like an NGO or an artist, like to the top of that main competition, I think we, you're doing a, a good job. And one thing that we are always obsessed is about like craft. So making things really beautiful. And I think this is what the hardest one to measure. So we always say like, this has to be really beautiful. Like we, sometimes we, we joke like, will Michelangelo drop a tear for this piece? If you see this app, one screen is really beautiful. It's astonishing. I think these are the, let's say three things that we always try to, to tap into like in AKQA. Got it. So really what you guys trade in is ideas and emotion. That's like the primary commodity that you are buying and selling and trading and creating. And of late with this sort of code of conscience, you've seen the gap between an emotion and an action. Do you guys have any thoughts on how we as creatives might help to close that gap so that we can better help either companies or individuals get to where they need to get to? by providing a clearer roadmap, do you think there is a responsibility of storytellers to do anything differently? I think in our case, what's been hard for us, it's really time. Because if, if you have an idea and you focus on that idea, I think you have the tools to start understanding how things work and you start adapting your proposition to that purpose. For a creative to do a proposal for a company, I think he needs the, the time and, and the skills and, and the understanding of the environment that he's going to present that idea. Because sometimes it's the way you mock up the idea, you know, like this is the idea, but the story, how you're going to tell the idea is slightly different because you need to adapt your speech to the audience. 
that's what we do uh, in communication. But when you need to adapt to some specific audience like the leadership of companies or governments, you need to dive in to those and really understand what's their agenda, how can you make it the proposal that you have more relevant to them. So that takes time or you need someone that will help you on that. Because usually creative minds, they are chaotic. Sometimes you need to focus on, if you have a powerful idea, you need to focus and really find the right partners that will help you, you know, succeed with that idea. So time and focus, it's, it's really important. Yeah, I think time is the one thing that everyone needs more of and can never find enough of. Definitely the biggest challenge, especially trying to learn a new audience. I've personally found it a lot easier to try to appeal to the masses and look for the greatest common denominator. But when you start narrowing that audience down to very specific people and institutions, it gets exponentially harder. It's like a whole new world. Do you guys have a message for the world? I, I always find it interesting to ask people this question. If you had a microphone where you could connect with every single person in the world, what would you like them to do a little bit more of? What would you invite them to do? Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe I'll sing a song. Which song would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Macarena. We need more uplifting moments together. So if I think if we have 7 billion people dancing together, I think the world will be like way better than it is right now. <laughs> but I, I think like besides the, the song, maybe like that thought about having, we can do impactful things now, not just, you don't need to be the president of the country or like the CEO of a company or have a billion dollars to make the change. I think like we are, if you do the change just for your neighbor, it's already enough. It's already good. So anything is, anything counts. What about you, Hugo? I agree with Diego. Like we, if we try to have, oh, I'm going to change the world, you'll get nuts. <laughs> you'll get nuts and you won't do anything. So really focus on your own micro environment and try to have an impact. Like in your family, sometimes it's just like, how can you motivate your family members? How can you spot that someone might not be in their best days. It, it's really like really focusing on the small because that can have a, a ripple effect that can amplify your good will. And just to give an example, we we once were invited to participate on a, it was a school of advertising and they, the school came and said, oh, we'd love to have one of your clients uh, to pass a brief to the, the team there on the fourth year. So that will be their ending project for like the master degree. I said, oh, but let's not bring like a huge client. Let's invite them to look into their neighborhood. And there are so many micro business. There might be like a, a hairdresser or a, like a small, small business, like really local and really try to bring all the, everything that you learn and give that to those kind of people because they don't have access to that. And how can we improve their business using communication? And, and the result was so incredible. The leader of the project that was like, he was responsible for that. He said like, it was the best project that he saw their team, their students doing because they were so happy because they were actually helping someone they knew. So they went there, they had conversation with them to those small business. And just the fact that they felt that they were helping those small business, that made the, the project much better because they were doing something good 
that could have something that was going to happen and not just like a fictional brief. So I think it's a good example. Like we always have someone that is close to us that we can help with our skills and that will make us feel so, so good. So we should be looking more in a short distance and less looking into the world because sometimes the, what will make us happy is right, uh, you know, next to us. I love that example. That's so beautiful. I guess the sad part is if you had brought in a big brand or a big client and if these kids had said, oh, we did this project for Nike or Adidas or any one of these big companies, it would have made a better portfolio story. And I think that's one of the challenges that we face as artists uh, coming up who care about social impact. It's that what is valued tends to be these big name brands and these big awards as opposed to the impact that it's actually had on people because it's so hard to measure and tell those stories. So I'm personally hoping that more case studies like this start to happen so that the local starts meeting the global more in the middle. And so hopefully fostering more of these experiences. I'm curious, people here who would like to follow you and keep up with the work that you guys are doing, where should they go? Is it just AKQA or should they go somewhere else to to follow both you or should it be Code of Conscience? I feel like AKQA is like, we've been working a lot on the AKQA.com, Instagram, social channels on AKQA. There are so many projects that AKQA is producing, especially now during these crazy times, everyone is home office. So we've been really connected with the network and having more global teams and collaborating with each other. So I feel like there are lots happening there. And of course, the Code of Conscience, we have the, the website as well and Instagram. It's always great to have like news there because the more people get there, more impact we can make. And TikTok, always. AKQA TikTok? <laughs> no, just kidding. We don't have a TikTok yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like impressed. Whoa, Diego, is there something new that you can tell me? I, I'm a, mini, a new influencer on TikTok. But no, not yet. <laughs> just 10, 10 followers. All good. Thank you guys so much. If you wanted to get on TikTok, I'm sure you'd find a way to crush it. Yeah, I love man. I, I don't post it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So once again, the two links to look out for are AKQA. Those are all letters as well as codeofconscience.org. If you don't know how to spell conscience, just type it out on Google. It'll do the work for you. I know I've certainly been struggling. How embarrassing. Anyways, if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can always go to impacteverywhere.org where we upload a summary that is really easy to share with the world, along with a bunch of Instagram stories, quotes, audiograms, as well as the podcast art that I'm really enjoying creating. Next week, we're going to bring on board Ivan Cash, who is a master at human connection. He spent his entire life fighting against this digital tidal wave of distractions and He'll be sharing his passion, his projects. And for those of you who are just a little bit curious and don't want to wait too long, you can always just search Ivan Cash on Google and you'll stumble across his work. It's absolutely fantastic. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week despite all of the craziness in the world because impact is everywhere. <laughs>